Welcome to The Girlfriend God, a podcast in search of and in service to the divine feminine, bringing you an equal mix of academic research and emotional spiritual experience. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. Now, together, let's find the divine. Welcome to the season premiere of The Girlfriend God Season 4. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Karen Tate, thought leader, speaker, author, and activist. Karen's work is at the crossroads of spirituality, personal transformation, and social justice. She's the host of the long-running Voices of the Sacred Feminine podcast, considered a treasure trove of wisdom for more than a dozen years a caring economy conversation leader and power of partnership presenter with the Center for Partnership Studies. Karen also earned the certificate from Smith College in the psychology of political activism, women changing the world. Karen can be seen in numerous YouTube videos and viewed in the award-winning documentary, Femme, Women Healing the World. Named one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality, and a wisdom keeper of the women's spirituality movement, her body of work over the years, along with reviews of her books from students, peers, and colleagues, speaks to her extensive leadership, knowledge, and expertise. And today, Karen and I talk about her body of work, the importance of sacred sites, the erasure of women's ideas, and how the goddess is having a moment (laughs) right now. (laughs) So Karen, Welcome to the show. Like I said, I've followed you for years, so it's a real treat for me to even have you on the show. Uh, well, Kelly, thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be here. And whenever I get an opportunity to talk about goddess, I take it. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, and it seems like I, I have a bit of a theme this season with sacred activism because I recorded with Marilyn Nyborg and Dale Allen's going to be on the show uh, this year. And yeah, it just seems like that's a thing that's getting a lot of play right now. But yeah, yeah, we're all in each other's orbits. And um, we uh, they've been on my show and I've been on theirs. And, uh, you know, uh, important information I think we have to get out. You know, women as leaders, we really need to step up at this time because, you know, uh, it's crucial. So let's talk about your most recent book. And the title is escaping me, although I knew it five minutes ago. (laughs) Normalizing abuse. Yes. Uh, So what led to that? I mean, that seems like both like it fits with your goddess spirituality, but also kind of a departure from that, like outside your normal body or your regular body of work, I guess I want to say. So what led to that? Yeah. What led um, to this particular title? It, it kind of is and kind of isn't, you know, I think it's a, it's a, when you, you know, we're talking about the bio, you said I'm kind of at the crossroads between spirituality, personal transformation and social justice. That's really what that book, I think, uh, encapsulates because 
<clears throat> you know, it's my seventh book. Um, you know, I've I've uh, written four books. I've curated three anthologies. Uh, the three anthologies, I call them Manifesting a New Normal uh, because they are helping us look for guideposts to create a new world. Um, and then this abuse book, Normalizing Abuse, um, I actually wrote it when I was recovering from a stun gun assault and taking care of my husband who had fallen at work and, and uh, had a brain injury. Um, you know, it, it was sort of the next step on this path of uh, looking at how important social justice is and how goddess values and ideals play into that. And what I really started to realize was, um, you know, there's so much manufactured consent out there. We are just bombarded every day um, with... Uh, things that happen in the world, people who say things, people who inspire hate and divisiveness, and we're becoming numb to it. You know, um, I, I think we're in a way normalizing it. Well, you know, he says that all the time, or that's what men do. Um, right. And, you know, we don't even react anymore. Um, I almost feel like our language needs a reset, um, you know, because, um, I mean, just for instance, we hear the word rape, oh, rape, you know, I mean, if we don't think about the trauma, the impact, the actual act, if you will, you know, it's just rape, or income equality. Yeah, that's an economic term. But when you think about it and unpack it, that means a woman is going to retire in poverty, you know, right. So, yeah, I really started to look at all of this at a different level and hoped I could help awaken all of us, myself included, because I realized, even though I was a social justice activist, that I was not seeing the abuse that was going on in my own life. I thought I was fighting for other women. All the while, I had things happen in that I was wearing my own blinders right. and I thought, well, wow, if this can be happening to me, you know, what about the woman who doesn't even know about um, social justice? Right. You know? Right. I hear you. I mean, when I was in my um, late twenties, I was in uh, an incredibly emotionally abusive relationship and, and I was a domestic violence counselor. But yet there I was telling my friends, well, it's not physical abuse and really it's only when she's drunk and, you know, and hearing myself do that. So, so I can relate to you there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, hearing you say that, I feel just a little bit less um, dumb <laughs> right. because, right. you know, I, I thought, oh my God, how did I let this happen to me? You know? Right. Right. But we we rationalize it. You know, we want right. to keep the paycheck. We don't want to make waves. We don't want to be the problem solver. You know, we don't want to have to upset the apple cart. So we endure, right. endure, right. endure. I think that, um, and Marilyn and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. You know, I'm a big proponent of of educating people on how power hides in plain sight. And when you talk about being 
desensitized, I feel like that's that that's exactly what is what has happened is it's so normal. No one ever thinks to see it as abnormal. You know what I mean? Um, And particularly when there's a lot of power in the media. And I um, remember reading when I, when I was a domestic violence counselor and I was a rape crisis counselor, uh, one of the people that we read was Jackson Katz, who's an anti-violence educator. And he talks about how the media, just in the language that it uses and, you know, the passive tense or passive language. And the example that he gave was with domestic violence. You'll see a headline that says, you know, Mary was a beaten woman, but you never see the headline that says John beat Mary. Yeah which is what leads to that kind of victim blaming culture, right? Yeah, yeah. Because words, I mean, we know as people who follow goddess principles, words are power, power. You know what I mean? You can't speak unthinkingly about these things. And the other example that I remember is when we talk about school shootings, which are one of those things that we've normalized, right? Um, You know, it's just another school shooting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but in in his critique of masculinity equals violence, which is I believe is what we have in this culture, I think he's right. I mean, and these were talks that he gave, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even progressed since then. But he gave the example of school shootings where when you see the headline in the news, it's always, you know, what's happening to our youth and kids killing kids. But that's not actually accurate. It's boys killing other children. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not kids. It's boys. And and you have politicians who want to say, oh, it's it's just the problem with our hearts or people aren't going to church anymore. You know, right. they want to blame all the wrong um, culprits, so to speak. Right. You know, I mean, they don't blame the right culprits. <laughs> right, right, right. And, yeah, it, uh, and you know, and and it's not, you know, and and it and it's so pervasive. I mean, I'll, I'll reveal something personal here. You know, because of my stun gun assault, um, it happened to me on the job, and um, when it happened to me, um, I was very lucky. I feel like goddess had put a bubble around me to a certain extent. Um, the girl it was a young woman who was coming after me with the stun gun. You would never have thought you had to be afraid of her. She just looked like a young college girl. Um, and um, when she finally made contact with the stun gun, the stun gun didn't activate. So I didn't go into the spasm like you see, you know, uh, and it gave me a second to detach and step away enough so that I could, you know, put a barrier between the two of us. And um, when I told, you know, uh, told the person I worked for about it, um, it was minimized. And, Mm. um, and because it got minimized, I got this, you know, the silent message, okay, let's not make this a thing. 
And, um, you know, and I'm sure they're worried about their worker comp rates, not, well, gee, Karen, should you go to the ER or something? Or you okay? Wasn't anything like that. So I dropped it, you know, because I didn't fall on the ground. I didn't hit my head. I didn't think I was physically injured. So I dropped it. I didn't realize in the in the coming months and years, how it affected me psychologically. Well, well, then when I tried to file a worker comp case, they said, oh, too late. (laughs) You know, it's like when, you know, when a rape victim finally decides they have the courage to talk about it. Oh, well, you know, that was a million years ago. Why didn't you come forward sooner? Right. Um, Things are just so messed up. Yeah. And, and it's all for the benefit of the, you know, the people who benefit the most from from this predator capitalism that we live in. Right. Um, so with the title of your book, Normalizing Abuse, I'd say it's also normalizing trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 not, as you say, didn't realize at the time that years and months later that it would have this effect on you. I I feel like, um, so I've been reading some lately about how all of our kind of general fucked up in this in the world, or at least in the United States, right? That's really all I can speak to because this is where we live, um, is really about having never been taught how to regulate our own nervous system. Uh, which I think is really interesting concept, right? Because there's something to be said for recognizing dysregulation, right? Like in my own life, so I, like everyone I know, take some sort of an anti-anxiety, antidepressant, whatever. I don't, I know very few people who don't take something. Um, But I have often wondered is that really effective or is the key to really be as in touch with myself as I am and learn how to regulate my own nervous system, that that's really the problem. Well, and, and it's putting a bandaid on the problem, really, right. you right. know, because you look at the opioid epidemic out there, it's right. for a reason it's, you know, because the pressures that we have to live under um, you go to the Scandinavian countries they don't have the economic pressures that we have right. here. Um, they're starting to experiment with universal basic income now, for instance. And it shows when somebody knows they're going to have a roof over their head and food on the table, it takes the pressure off, you know. Okay. Now, I mean, that's just economically. I mean, obviously, there are other sorts of stressors besides not having enough money. Um, but, you know, I feel like, yeah, we... There hasn't been enough importance put on self-care, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, there, it's more about, um, uh, you know, going to a psychiatrist or therapy is taboo, especially for men. I mean, look, you even have people in Scientology that think it's evil, right? right. Um, you, you know, you have 
uh, fundamentalist churches that tell women to stay with their abusive husband. And right. if they're just um, a good enough wife, uh, then, you know, maybe this wouldn't be happening. You know, we aren't addressing the um, the the sources of our anxiety and right. trauma and exploitation. They're right. just getting away scot-free. Like when you said at the beginning, well, Mary was raped, not John raped her, you know? Right, right. So do you feel like things are changing? I feel like great change is always preceded by great chaos. And it's why we're at where we're at now. Because all of these things that we're talking about are beginning to fail. Government is failing. Capitalism is failing. These structures that have been in place for so long are starting to fall apart. And you mentioned um, basic universal income. I think that is on the horizon for us. We'll be the last to do it because we're the last to do everything. But I have a friend who lives and works in Berlin and uh, she's a painter, she's an artist, but for a long time she worked in tech and she worked in blockchain technology and all that. So she's very aware of what's happening in the world there. And she said, Kelly, in five years, 95% of the jobs here will be replaced by AI. And they will have no choice. But the only solution to that is a universal basic income. Yeah. And then the problem is, who's going to decide who's going to get how much? That's where right. the next fight is going <laughs> to be. Right, right. Because, you know, uh, you know, there are people who, at least here in the United States, who think any sort of assistance is, you know, the welfare queen stereotype that I grew up with in the South. Right, right. Um, you know, so, yeah, but I do think that's where we're we're headed. Um, and it's it's you know, it's just really a shame. And well, you asked me, you know, if I thought um uh, things were, you know, if things were changing, I do. Um, but I think we, you know, because so much is failing, but I'm sort of in this place, I am trying to hold on to the vestiges of what does work, even if it's not perfect, while right. I let go of the stuff that's real crap. Right, and right. And what I worry about is I have so many women friends who have become apolitical and, um, you know, and they just say, oh, well, one party's as bad as the other. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, one party right. wants to take away our all of our rights, doesn't care if we eat or have a roof over our head. They only care about billionaires and tax cuts um, and doesn't care how they rape the earth. You have to draw a distinction because if all of you apolitical people stay home and don't vote, you know what? We're going to be living in the handmaid's tale. And then right. what? Right. Then what? You know, that concerns me. It really does. Uh, because one thing I've found in the last decade or so within goddess spirituality is everybody doesn't connect the dots between uh, goddess and values and ideals and politics and how they vote, you know, right. 
they'll right. they'll go vote for a Republican and then say they're an environmentalist, you know, right. or right. Uh, say they care about abortion and then go vote for Trump. Right. You know, so there's a cognitive disconnect. And I don't know how we reach these women, because that's like saying, well, how do you reach the people in QAnon? You know, I mean, right. I don't know how to reach the women who believe in this erasure of women stuff, you know? Right, right. So I just sort of focus on what we have in common. Right, because it, it's pointless to argue with somebody. You're not going to change their minds, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think all we can do at this stage is kind of educate and just do our own thing and uh, hope that as as people like you and I, who do have a goddess, con goddess consciousness, we are aware that we have an influence in the collective consciousness. So I think the more of us come together, the better that is, right? I think so. Because, I, I, because I also think there's a danger in beating the drum of negativity because in terms of collective consciousness, that just adds to the already existing problem. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's just me being a, being a, I mean, I'm a bit of a law of attraction person and I don't buy into all of it, but I do believe that part, right? Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if we're all complain, if millions of us are complaining, well, it's not fair that that guy has all the money and I don't have any money. The longer we do it, the louder we complain. That's why that guy continues to get all the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, on some level, right? Well, but there's something to be said for channeling that anger and uh, upset into, you know, ways that are going to maybe make a difference. Like, right. for instance, look at how when uh, the Weinstein guy uh, finally was held accountable. Now, you know, he's one guy, right? Right. But I think it sort of changed the consciousness. Um, right. So so our, you know, our outward uh, displays of discontent do serve a purpose. However, I agree with you that, you know, what we focus on, I think, grows. You know, we don't want to focus every day on everything's falling apart, nothing's working. Right. You know, I think we have to be in gratitude and, and in compassion and, and in generosity, but at the same time, know what's going on in the world right. so that when it comes time to vote locally or nationally, um, we know what's going on enough to know, well, one party uh, wants to do away with democracy and another party wants authoritarianism and a theocracy. You know, right. we at least, I think, have to stay tuned in enough when we're called upon to vote or, I don't know, our occasional marches in the street that we show up and in solidarity um, but on an everyday basis, don't let it consume us, I guess. Does that make right, sense? Right. It does. It does. I mean, I feel like that's how I am. Like I'm, yeah. I, I, like I, I read my, you know, I read my New York times briefing every morning and a couple other things, just, just to be aware enough of what's going on in the world so that I don't walk out my front door one day and go, what the fuck is happening out here? <laughs> because there's been uh, some missile strike. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, 
gee, what's that cloud out there? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, so let's talk about the goddess community and 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 how it plays into all of that. Um, recently, I've had a lot of discussions about. Again, I think it's changing this move forward and coming together uh, because for me, my own personal spiritual beliefs, I really do believe that we're all one. And I think that globally, consciousness is moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. So, but it seems like women... So two things are kind of happening simultaneously from where I sit. One is I applaud more and more women who are trying to have what they what they are most passionate about be their source of income. Fabulous. But the other side of that is because we're all doing that, we're too busy to collaborate with others. Or don't have enough money to participate with others. Right. I mean, yeah. I know I'm in that boat, right? Like yeah. none of my projects are monetized and people tell me to go to this goddess conference in California. And I'm like, if you're buying my plane ticket, that's great. Otherwise yes. that's not an option for me. Right. You know? Um, so how do we overcome that? Because I feel like, some of what I see these women doing is just perpetuating the problem that we already have, which is, you know, yes, they're doing what they love, but they're still drawn into the got to make money, got to take care of my family, got to have security, got to have a 401k, got to, right. you know what I mean? The end goal is still the same. Yeah. So that doesn't, I, I don't feel like that's serving them. I mean, other than, yes, it's good for your soul to do what you love for a living, but I, I don't know. There's still like, there's some part of me that's like, yeah, but aren't you just doing what we've been doing <laughs> all this well, time? Well, you know, Kelly, I don't know if, if this is a good answer, but it's my only answer. Um, first of all, universal basic income would solve that. Okay. Agreed. It would also help, you know, people who are trying to go to college, you know. Uh, but anyway, so put that aside because that's not going to happen soon. Um, you know, the only way I was able to accomplish everything I've done, write books, lead sacred tours, do a podcast, was I worked a full-time job. And I hated it. And I didn't even like the person that I had to be. Often I was, you know, to keep that job, I had to be someone that, acted and spoke counter to my right. goddess belief. So I had to really compartmentalize, you know, right. and I don't think there, there is a good answer right now because um, yeah, there are women who are well off and there are an awful lot of women who aren't. I mean, I think about the uh, docu film that I was in film women healing mm -hmm. the world uh, Emmanuel Atier was, I think, financed in part by Sharon Stone, who helped him. Right. He ended up going bankrupt over that film. He could mm. not even get women to download it for five dollars. Mm. So there's something about women not supporting women as well, right. you know, and it could be because they don't have the extra money. 
uh, or it could be there is just something in us. We have not learned to really be a sisterhood yet. Right. Well, that's part of those societal ills that we were talking about, right? Women yeah. have been raised for many years now to compete with other women for men, for money, for whatever. And women distrust other women. I can't tell you how many women have come into my life and at the beginning of whatever spiritual path they were on, hated other women, didn't trust other women. I mean, this is also outside of the goddess community. I think we're a little better at that. Um, And outside of a lesbian community, because I think we're better at that. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's just that kind of ingrained whatever if i could if i could make any improvements on the barbie movie which i loved me too i loved it and think should be required viewing for every man over the age of i don't know 12 (laughs) um or maybe they can come out with a part two that highlights that right like this is another part of the patriarchal problem because we compete with with one another. And like I said, I don't think that's nearly as much of an issue in goddess circles as it is outside of them. I think that we have a hold of some knowledge that that serves us, but. Well, and I wonder too, you know, we have been, um, okay, I hope this doesn't sound like hyperbole. I hope you kind of get where I'm going. We have been so oppressed by patriarchy for so long I think women have really lost hope that things can change and it's ever going to be any different, you know? And, um, and I mean, we have to make it different, but I think one of the elephants in the living room is not just women's inhumanity to women, but women who don't teach their sons better and women who prop up, all of these powerful men or organizations that are against their interests, you know, to be close to power, to, um, I don't know, have a paycheck, like I did myself to have a paycheck, you know? Um, So, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. I don't think we all can have the luxury of trying to, um work the job we're passionate about because it's it might not pay the bills i mean for instance would it have been better for me to try to go get a job as a writer or a journalist and be starving and uh prevent have prevented myself from doing the goddess work i did that horrible job enabled me to do what i did you know, right, right. So it's um, I, you know, I, I, I guess you know, obviously, it's kind of a sacrifice. It's a, I'm a practical Virgo, <laughs> so <laughs> right. you know, I, I mean, that's kind of where I go. You know, um, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer. So, goddess culture on the rise. Uh, yes and no. Um, I mean, when I look at I'm trying to give you some some hope. I I listened (laughs) to one of your episodes yesterday. I can't remember which one it was. Something about, I think it was about manifestation. And you were like, 
well, I'm kind of losing hope. And I was like, oh, we have to give Karen some hope. <laughs> we have to give Karen some hope. Well, you know what gave me hope? Like me and my generation, we really are stepping up to the plate. I know two other women who have got a spirituality podcast and we're all the same age. So we're trying to glean. That's why we have you guys on our shows, because we're (laughs) trying to glean all of this information. (laughs) Well, you know, here it's uh, it's always yes and no, you know, because when I um, I was pretty isolated during the time. Uh, I was trying to care for my husband with his brain injury and recover from my own stun gun assault and write the book. I really sort of dropped off social media for several years. And uh, I, I put the podcast on hiatus. And when I came back and I really started paying attention to Karen McGrandall's Divine Feminine app, Mm-hmm. I was gobsmacked mm-hmm. at all of the activity going on out there and all of the different flavors. And I was like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and, and here, you know, women and goddess had a place at the parliament again. And that was all beautiful because I had heard, I mean, I the last time I talked at the parliament was when it was in Utah. And I think that was 2015. And that was before. I didn't go on hiatus till probably 2019. I had heard that, um, you know, uh, we we should enjoy that because, you know, women and goddess were not going to be able to be so center stage moving forward, you know. Mm. So I was, when, when I disappeared, um, it, it felt like things were not on the upswing. But when right. I came out of, um, you know, my, uh, forced isolation, I, 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 I did feel so much better. That didn't mean all, all the problems were weren't still there, but right. it felt like the idea of goddess and the feminine had, you know, starting to really catch on like wildfire. But I'm not sure, you know, women everywhere have a full picture of it yet. Right. But they're kind of they're getting on board and I think more of them are thinking about themselves and self-care and they're starting to value themselves more and don't want to just accept with the church or men or the economy, um, uh, you know, uh, that, that box, you know, we're not just breeders. We're, right. you know, we're not going to let you not pay us equal pay. Uh, yes, you know, we're entitled to have child care credits, uh, yada, yada, yada. Oh, and there's more, you know, we haven't really increased the number of women in government, but at least in, in Washington, but there are more women governors. And okay. uh, there are many more women in college than men. So, and, and people are leaving the uh, organized religion and yeah. they're more spiritual than religious. So right. there are signs out there, but we still have right. a lot of work to do, you know? We do. We do. Um, I've said for many years now that I, I I believe that it is it is inevitable that we return to a matrilineal, matrifocal, divinely feminine focused world um, because everything is cyclical and we know that it was that way. And it will therefore be that way again. 
right? I mean, that's one of the things that I try and focus on to give me hope when I see the horrors of the world that like everything, that everything is in divine order. Yeah. Right. Like this is, this is the, the, the chaos before the, before the change. Right. I, I do believe that. And I mean, I think more hope is astrologically, all the astrologers tell me, yes. that we, you know, the, the arc of progress is gonna like they say bend toward progressiveness whether we're gonna see it in our lifetime in a big way i don't know we might not i don't know but we have to plant the seeds um yeah i i mean so i i think i i think there's a lot to be said um and I just lost my train of thought. I was going to say <laughs> something else. It's it, it, maybe it'll come back. Right. <laughs> um. So one of the things that I've noticed is, and and particularly because we live in an online world, right? And everything's about presentation, and um, not to say that there aren't people who are authentic. Of, of course, there are. Um, but with such a focus on how we are being, uh perceived i feel like the actual spiritual part of goddess spirituality sometimes gets lost in the shuffle and i don't hear in my opinion i don't hear enough people talking about what is your practice are you praying are you meditating are you making offerings are you doing ritual are you what are you doing to because the goddess isn't just some default right having a relationship with her takes time and it's a relationship that needs to be paid attention to and nurtured just like any other relationship i i tell the people that i work with i'm like if you were dating somebody how would you get to know that person you'd spend time together you'd talk a lot you'd listen a lot yeah <laughs> and you would make that person a priority and the, and the same is true of the goddess right right? like i she's my relationship with the goddess is the singularly most important aspect of my life even above my marriage and i have a happy marriage and i love my wife not as much as i love the goddess (laughs) and she knows that and she's you know she's kind of okay okay with it (laughs) yeah kind of So let me let me address that and but but I remembered what I was about to say before because you talked about matriarchies. Um, you know, I think there's so many women that don't even know that there were matriarchies. So that's number one. Education is so key. I mean, um, I run into since I've moved to Southern Oregon now from California, mm-hmm. I am finding women that didn't know Carol Christ don't know anything about Pandora's myth, don't know anything about matriarchy. We have a lot of work to do to let women know there is something other than what we are living in today. It used to be different. It can be different again. That's number one. Number two, I also think that all of this goddess ideals and values, it's a mindset more than it's a gender thing because um, I'm not one of these believers that it's just going to be women that's going to save the world because of um, 
uh, you know, like the women Phyllis Chesler writes about in her book, Women's Inhumanity to Women, like the women we mentioned earlier who were busy propping up patriarchy and fundamentalist religion and predator capitalism. So I think it's going to take good men, um, feminist men, if you want to call them that, I don't care what we call them, um, men who know what we know and believe what we believe because they're out there along with women. It's not just a, a woman thing uh, and an anti-man thing. You know, I, right. I that I really do feel like I want to stress because, you know, I've been married to the same guy for 40 years and he has been the wind beneath my wings since the 90s. If, you know, he was there supporting me in everything I did and I've run into a lot of men like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're there, you know, and I think they can be cultivated when they're educated. And, you know, a lot of it depends, like I said, on what women are teaching their sons. But anyway, practice. Yes, I am fond of saying goddess is not an ATM machine. You don't right. just go to her to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. Right. And, you know, I need a lover. I need money. I need a job. I need, I need, I need, you know. Right. Then you're just making the goddess your errand girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it it is about reciprocity, like everything in life is, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that's a very personal thing. You know, some people might stay connected with goddess by following the wheel of the year or the moon phases, or, I mean, I have a living room that's an uh, Egyptian temple and Isis has a prominent spot on a big table and she is a focal point. You know, I see her every day. I can't not think about her. Um, and, um, I'm constantly writing about her and talking about her. And I think about, there was a movie that came out a few, a few decades ago, I think maybe (laughs) it, it was, um, a, a King Arthur movie and the lady of the lake was telling author that she was dying because no one remembered her. Right. And I feel like it's really our job to, um, stay connected to our goddesses, whichever one, you know, we feel called to and, you know, uh, incorporate her into our lives. So it's not just like when I was a Catholic, well, we just went to church on Sunday. And once that hour was over, we didn't think about church anymore. You know, Um, I, I think whether we're talking about her as a deity, an archetype or an ideal, um it has she has to be incorporated into our lives and i think it's important to talk about her as an archetype and ideal for the agnostics and the atheists out there right to understand who she is even if they don't want to believe she's in the heaven and heavens and they can pray to her and she cares about us agreed um and i'm also starting to, to i feel like take my practice and my thoughts in this spiritual journey that I'm on to the next level, because I don't know, somehow all of a sudden now I didn't used to pay attention to it. I used to poo poo it as new agey gobbledygook, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking more about frequency and vibration and ascension. And I'm really starting to see for us to vibrate at a higher level, we have to be living those goddess ideals 
And it's like now I feel like those two things are married in my mind. Goddess values ascension. And call, you know, maybe somebody's going to call it ascension. Somebody else is going to call it how we evolve humanity, you know. Right, right. Uh, but I'm really starting to look at that seriously. It, it makes sense to me where when people used to say, oh, Karen, you're a light bring, you're a light bringer. I go, OK, yeah. <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> but now I redefine life bringer maybe as a teacher. And, right, right. and I'll go, OK, well, if you call me a teacher, yeah, I can accept that, you know, and so now I've expanded light bringer to mean teacher and i i'll claim that title now (laughs) right well and i think we do i i mean sometimes we struggle with some women have no problem with it at all but i know for myself like i really struggle to embrace the title of priestess because i am not somebody who took one of the thousand come to our goddess school classes online to be ordained in some particular lineage. Although I had looked into that, but that is not, again, something that I can afford. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have gone to, you know, become a priestess of Avalon or the 13 moons tradition, which is probably one of the most reputable ones out there. Um, But I just couldn't like, that wasn't possible for me. But then I, you know, because I, and maybe you can relate to this and maybe you can't, but I feel like I'm often the, I'm so smart person, but then somebody puts it a different way and I'm like, oh, like I'd never even considered that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We teach each other. Last season, I had Flora Ware on the show and Flora Ware, who's the founder of Earthsong Temple, and she runs a school such as what I was talking about. And she said to me, she said, well, Kelly, if you look at the history of the word priestess, all that really means is that you keep the fire burning in the temple for the goddess and you're of service to your community. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm a priestess. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then I went and got ordained, uh, which made me feel a little more official. Yeah, Yeah, but I know what you're talking about, you know, because first of all, the mainstream world does not know goddess people, pagans, whatever we call ourselves. There's not a good word. Um, They don't know we have clergy. And um, I can tell you, I ran into so many women who wanted to be ordained, but it was about, gee, it's the really cool clothes and we're going to do magic. And they had no concept of service. You know, well, I ran into that in the witch community and the pagan community quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm sure that there I met very ethical pagan practitioners as well. Sure. Absolutely. Every one of them, I met 10 who were in it for I want to learn how to do magic so that I can make shit happen. Right. Or you'll go to, uh, say, a pagan uh, pagan pride day and they have a list of classes and everybody flocks to the sex magic class and <laughs> right, nobody right. goes to the spirituality and ethics class. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, so I kind of feel like goddess spirituality uh, has not matured yet. 
you know, maybe we're in our teenage phase, so to speak. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, you know, um, we all are where we are in our spiritual journey. And I think how far I've come since the 90s. And, you know, people just learn as they learn. Uh, but it is hard because, you know, it's not like there's a central place we can all go to for us to all even be on the same page. You know, we're, we're certainly not a monolith. Um, you know, I, I think about, um, again, you know, being a Catholic, all the different aspects of Christianity out there. And some right. people don't even think Catholics are Christians. So, you know, in some ways, we're no different than the patriarchal religions in that sense that we're all over the place. Uh, but I do believe um, that we have to give ourselves permission to claim that if you want to call it a title, a label, whatever it is, especially if we're in service to the community. And that can mean a lot of different things from being a hospice worker to a social justice activist, to an author, to an artist. How are you, you know, bringing spirituality to your life, your family's life, your community? And there's lots and lots of ways to do that, you know? Right. <clears throat> so I have this so I, I founded this nonprofit, the Church of the Goddess, which really isn't a thing yet, but I spent a lot of time on the website and I kind of developed my own framework for, and I think this is the book that I need to write. I'm working on a book now about Ellen of the Ways and, and the history of deer, particularly reindeer mythology. Um, but I really need to write this book called Shiism, A New Theology, because part of what I wrote about was, if that's a term that people can embrace, I'm a Shiist, that means you're following a goddess path. Doesn't matter what path it is, does it, you know, I mean, it's as broad as pagan is, because there's a lot of different kinds of pagans, too, but they'll all answer to pagan, right? Druids will answer to pagan, Celtics will answer to pagan, um, so, so I've, yeah, so I coined this phrase, Shiism, and it seemed like a good fit at the time. Well, but you know, I, I, I came up what with what I envision is this kind of global sisterhood, right? Because right. like Liz Kelly's book, Home to Her, and you were on Liz's podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, her book is all about, you know, we have to remember that there are uh, other countries right, who have very long-standing traditions of different goddess paths. Like, it's not just here. And even, like, I had somebody on the show last season who was in the Caribbean and all about Caribbean goddesses. And it's like there are so many other paths and there are so many goddesses other than the Greco-Roman pantheon. You know what I mean? That, that, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at, at goddess as really, you know, uh, the poster girl for diversity, by right. her many faces across continents and cultures. And and I like your idea of Shiism. Um, you know, when I wrote the first my first book, Sacred Places of Goddess, first of all, your listeners might find this funny. Um, and and I love this story. That my male publisher did not want me to capitalize the word goddess. 
And I freaked out and said, I have to capture Dottis. <laughs> and so he finally agreed to put it to a vote to all of his publisher friends. And it was so funny because the it came back along gender lines. The women all said capitalize it. The men all said lowercase. So he, gave, <laughs> he, you know, so he uh, he gave in and he let me capitalize it. So in that book, I was trying to figure out what to call myself. Um, yes, I was a priestess, but I wanted the book to be a little bit more mainstream. Pagan, I know that bothered me because it's always been a derogatory term, Christians thrust on non-Christians. Right. So I came up with goddess advocate. and <laughs> I know that sounds so sterile. Um, but I, I, you know, but because I was also trying to incorporate, you know, uh, men like my wonderful husband who is dedicated to ISIS and Sepmet and Anubis, you know, so it couldn't just be gender oriented like that. It had to be right. inclusive of both right. genders. So Goddess Advocate was the best I came up with. And I wish someone would come up with something better. <laughs> Well, I like Shiism, and and we'll see if that catches on. I think it will. Not. I mean, I got to start talking about it and writing about it and all those things I haven't done yet, but it's not on the website. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I I really did want that, and I, you know, in last season we had this episode about goddess churches and what that could look like mm -hmm. uh, to be an all inclusive space and. I can't remember whose website it is, but somebody's website talks about men and 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 she calls them the shining brothers. Mm -hmm. And I and and that's a term that I can embrace because I have come across men. There's this guy that that emailed me from the Church of the Goddess website, and his first question was, you know, do do you allow men? And you know what? I've had a long email correspondence with this guy now, and he is a dedicate. Yeah. And frustrated because he yeah. doesn't have other men uh, in his life to to talk to about the goddess and the pushback that he receives when he does try. Yeah, yeah, I I feel bad for for the good men out there because where where do they have to go? You right. know, and I really do think we have to find a way to embrace them at the well, so to speak. Uh, right. Right you know, and work in partnership with them because partnership, you know, like Rianne Eisler writes about, partnership is what we're looking for, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we got to figure it out. <laughs> so let's go back to, uh, for um, just for a few minutes, um, I know that you wanted to talk about the sacred sites and sacred site pilgrimages and I'm curious to talk about that again because of the uh, the financial barrier to things like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Huge. Yeah, it's huge. Um, well, you know, I will say um, that the only reason my husband and I were able to travel to all of these sacred sites back in the 90s and 2000s was because we were part-time travel agents. Mm -hmm. So I was not paying what the general public was paying. Uh, right. We also had a timeshare. So sometimes I was able to utilize the timeshare as a base and then just rent a car and go out on day trips. That's mm -hmm. when he and I traveled by ourselves before I actually started putting together group tours. But the cost is prohibitive. 
Uh, but I will say, you know, at least now, virtually, we can visit the great museums and see right. a lot of the goddess artifacts, you know. Um, but it's, it's you know, the difference between reading a recipe or tasting the stew. You, you know what I mean? There's right. something about standing in these sacred sites where goddess was worshipped. She was at the center of culture. Um, that made it so much more real to me on some level, right, right. you know, um, and that's why uh, in my Sacred Places book, I actually tried to include as many places here in the United States as I could think of uh, that we could look at as uh, goddess sites. Um, right. First of all, I, you know, took the leap and said, any museum that's got goddess artifacts in it is a sacred site as far as I'm concerned, because you have her image, her, you know, uh, her representation, her history. So let's, you know, let's call that a, a, a goddess site. Except um, when the museums do that thing that they do sometimes, which is label something as woman holding gourd, yes. blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. You and I know. That is very much a particular goddess. That yes, yes, and, or, and, I or, or that, you... and I say that coming from a background of libraries, museums, and archives, <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, the religious right here is a lot to contend with, and uh, so there's that. Um, yeah. So, um, or for or they'll fertility figure. That one gets me too. Right. Um, so yeah, so museums, the the good, great museums. I mean, in California, there's the Rosicrucian Museum down at the end of a hall of goddess artifacts is a huge statue of Sekhmet, you know. Um, so yeah, museums, uh, also a lot of places that we might not think about, like the Grand Canyon. Um, I make the case in my book that we could look at the Grand Canyon as a sacred site of goddess. I've started to look at, you know, rivers in the United States, um, look at uh, churches dedicated to like Mary Magdalene or Mary, or um, like in Los Angeles, there's a a church uh, outside of it is an area dedicated to Guadalupe. So, you know, we have to, um, uh, you know, it, we might not have great archaeological sites, um, but we do have other flavors of sacred right. places. And we're taking I, a we're going to take a day trip to the Serpent Mound in oh, yeah. Ohio. Yeah. And if you're living on the West Coast, you can take my book and actually do a West Coast tour. Yeah. And I have stuff on the East Coast, too, like our uh, the Statue of Liberty, because mm -hmm. there's precedent for that in Rome, because they looked at liberty as um you know as a virtue that they deified so it's not right. like we made it up out of whole cloth you know right and, and she does represent values of goddess so she's our political goddess and she's on top of the you know on top of congress right right interesting yeah i wish there were more sites here but i like what you said about trying to see some of these natural things differently like there's something else in indiana there's some underground 
river in Indiana that looks amazing. I don't, the descent's like 500 feet. So I'm not sure if I could walk that, but I'm sure going to try because that sounds like an amazing thing. Um, You know, and maybe someday as we move forward into this income equality or, you know, I, or I come into contact with one of us who does happen to be wealthy and is willing to put me on a plane somewhere. You know what I mean? Like I would give anything to go to the Glastonbury goddess conference, but I don't see that in my financial future. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not at the moment. Um, Well, you know, another place that I think we ought to look at as a sacred site of goddess is the library of Congress. Um, Mm. I was really sort of gobsmacked when I walked in there and saw all of their, everywhere you look, or, or images of the feminine, go online and look mm-hmm. at it because you can do a virtual tour. You know, they name, you know, uh, um, areas of science, agriculture, um, mathematics. I mean, all of these genres are all represented in the female form. Right. And um, I don't know, you know, I feel like we got to take it and claim it where we see it right. and, and not just... Um, you know, um, give it more meaning, give ourselves permission to give it meaning. Right. Anything in our list that we didn't get to? Not that I can think of, um, other than plugging my podcast and books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I love your podcast. I mean, I, I, I look at, you know, I, I go far back and I look and see some of these women that you've had on and I think, how lucky was she to get to talk to her? I but, feel that way too. Yeah. But I'm having Max Dashu on the show this season. So I'm hoping that two decades from now, people are going to look through my archives and go, wow, she got to talk to Max Dashu. There <laughs> so, you go. Well, and um, some, of, some of these I women mean, is, have passed, you know? Yeah, um, and if yeah. we like you had, who I love the most, I ha- I'm a big Jean Shinoda Bolin fan. Mm-hmm. And you had talked to her, and I was like, oh. She got to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, and but she's still alive, you know. Yes, yes, uh, and still alive. doing her thing. Yeah, right? and I, but I see a... classes and videos and stuff come out of her all the time. I think she's fucking fabulous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you might. Uh, I don't know if she's given interviews anymore, but um, uh, you know, Elizabeth Baring. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, she's incredible. Um, you know, get her while you maybe still can. Right. Um, you know, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Carol Christ is gone. Lydia Rule is gone. Um, uh, so many of them are gone now, you know, but at least their voices live on, um, uh, you and, know. And those of us that have these podcasts, like I said, we are, it's funny because many of you have been on all three of our podcasts, um, cause there's myself and, and, and Liz Kelly's home to her podcast. And Dr. Carla Ionescu's The Goddess Project podcast. And like Glennis Livingstone has been on all three of our shows. Yeah. <laughs> You've been on two out of three. Yeah. Um, I don't, so I don't know. I try and find these, these people. And I'm looking at, you know, these are the women, including yourself, that I consider the foremothers of this goddess spirituality. And I feel that way about everybody that's coming on the show this season. I'm Marilyn Nyborg and, and Max Dashu and, um, 
and and Dale Allen, even though she's a little bit younger. Um, but yeah, these are the people that have been doing this work and we love talking to you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's, it feels, um, I can remember in the nineties when I was so petrified, I couldn't even find my voice to call in a corner. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so right. to, be, to be here now, who'd have thunk it? You know what I mean? Um, right. But uh, but yeah, so thank you, Kelly. You know, I, I appreciate that. And, yeah, and particularly my, my my generation. So I'm 51. Um, so I'm at that, you know, Generation Z is kind of the crux between. We've been here for this explosion of technology and so much information is available to us, but I'm also old enough to remember that when I wanted to learn about a goddess or witchcraft or whatever, I had to go to the library. <laughs> and I and I learned from other people and elders who weren't on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you so, could feel and, the and, energy. You right. feel the and, energy in the room. Yeah. So I see these women that are in their 80s doing podcast episodes, and I'm like, that is something like that just makes my heart happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, they, because you all want to share your knowledge with us before it's gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want us to have to keep reinventing the wheel, you know, Right. Um, because we just waste time and that only serves patriarchy, you know? Right. Um, Right. Yeah. So um, for me, it's never been about the money. It's always been about the knowledge because you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I didn't start learning any of this till I was 30. And right. I was pretty angry, honestly, for a few years that um, I didn't have access to any of this. I didn't even know mm-hmm. to look for it, you know. Right. Um, I will say, you know, and if you've read any of my writings about this, I grew up a racist and a white supremacist yep. because that's what, you know, was in my orbit. And you don't know what you don't know. You know? Right, right. You do, you certainly don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and and there's always like I never stop learning. I like I'm in a class right now with Devorah Gren, oh. um, who I also consider one of our foremothers. Right. She was on the show, my show time. last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love her. Um, so I'm in a class that she's teaching through the online Hebrew College. Um, pretty much the theme of the book that she put out, you know, talking to goddess where she's got these 72 different women from various cultures and various goddess paths. And how do we communicate with the divine? And uh, every class she tells, she says something that I think, how did I not know that? You know what I mean? How, how is this the first time I'm hearing about whatever it is? Um, But so, yeah, I think, those of us that are are doing this work, who are my generation, we're still very eager to learn and very eager to share it because we are at that crux and we have the technology to spread that message to perhaps a different, you know what I mean? Like the people yeah. listen to your podcast might not be the same people that listen to my podcast and, and vice versa. Because um, that's the thing about podcast analytics, right? You could see the numbers, but you really don't know who's listening. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Unless well, they send you a message, which is rare because nobody 
communicate, you know, engagement is very difficult on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, before we go, because I know our time's almost up, um, I have to credit Rianne Eisler. She really was one of my major mentors. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was because of her work, I started to also make the pivot over to social justice. And it was because of Chalice and the Blade. Everybody needs to read the Chalice and the Blade. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, uh, if, if we had a, you know, one book that we all read, I don't know, I think I would want it to be that book so that we could yeah. at least all start on that same page, you know? So before I let you go, at the end of the episode, I ask all the guests who haven't been on the show before the same three questions. Question one, tell me something about yourself that people who know you would be surprised to learn. Okay. Some quirky thing or some. Okay. I know what it pleasure is. Or, okay. Um, when we were in Israel, um, a guy came up to my husband and offered him 50 camels for me. <laughs> and he, but you know what was funny i thought my first thought was was that a sale price or a really good price <laughs> right was it good is 50 good that's what i would have asked is, is that good <laughs> okay okay uh current current favorite tv series or movie oh um I really loved Barbie. Me too, um, man. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I every year I watch the first Avatar uh, because for me it was like Goddess Church. Yeah. Um, and I love The Handmaid's Tale. Me the too. Series. Let it yeah. let it serve as a warning, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And final question: If your life were a movie. What would be the theme song on the soundtrack? Oh, geez, that is a hard one. Um, <laughs> she did it her way. <laughs> <laughs> is that a song? Well, I was thinking, isn't there a song out there? I did it my way. Um, I yeah. think that's an old, old song. The uh, Frank Sinatra song. <laughs> I think so. Um, but or, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, that maybe works. so. Um, well, and then I'm thinking about, um, I mean, I was a kid when these things came out. I don't know why I'm thinking about these now. But Nancy Sinatra had that song, These Boots Are Made For Walking. Yeah. And, and I think about all the things I walked away from in life to get to where I am today. You know, Louisiana, Catholicism, my family, racism, you know, uh, uh, all of those things. You know, I had to put my boots on and walk and, um, you know, take an exit to um, make a different choice for myself in life. I think it should be that because that yeah. seems more fitting and it's a woman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Karen, well, I'm going to do that thing that Zoom does and say goodbye and the screen's going to go blank and all of that. But um, I will be in touch. I'm sure that I will see you maybe on the weekly Weavers call. That's been a great thing. Hopefully you can come to that sometime. Yeah. Um, but now we seem to be running in similar circles. So I'm, I'm sure that I'll see you soon. 
But until then, may the love and the peace of the goddess be with you. Ah, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, back at you as well. Ditto. All right. I will speak with you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching or listening to The Girlfriend God. Don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, and comment. Episodes drop every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And you can follow The Girlfriend God on social media on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook.